Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. We are walking through a passage in Scripture, Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7, commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason it's called the Sermon on the Mount is because at some point Jesus saw all these crowds of people and he pulled away a little bit and went up on the side of a mountain and there on the side of the mountain sat down and began to teach his disciples. And we're thinking beyond just the the group of, of people who were following him that would later be known as the apostles that sometimes known as the 12, um, and there weren't even 12 at this point in the ministry of Jesus, but, but not just those inner circle people, but there was a lot of people. Picture that, on the side of a mountain overlooking the Sea of Galilee in this beautiful setting, sitting on some of the rocks and on some of the grass where the people gathered around, and these were people who had already believed in Jesus. These were people who were already bought in. They were convinced that he is the one they'd been waiting for. They were convinced that he really is the son of God. And they were convinced because they had left their homes, left their jobs, left their friends, and they had followed him as he was going from town to town, changing people's lives and announcing the good news that God is love and that he has come to deliver his people. And there on the side of the mountain, those who already believed in him, they leaned in because Jesus gave us some beautiful details. And that's why we've titled this series Detailed instead of titling it The Sermon on the Mount because that's really what's happening here. Jesus is telling us how he wants us to live. High school student, Jesus is telling us in these passages how he wants you to do high school. Adult, he's telling you how he wants you to live with all of the different aspects of your life. And it's a kindness to us. And we are just like those disciples on the side of the mountain. We, most of us in this room, have already decided that Jesus really is who he says he is. We have already bought in and believed in our hearts, and we are leaning in together with them to say, teach us more, Jesus, because we want to live a life pleasing to him. Amen? And we want to spend our days well. So here we are once again, verse by verse, leaning in to the Sermon on the Mount. Today we're in verse 8, Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Such a great little short verse. We're about to go on a Sabbath as a church next Sunday, our fall Sabbath. Maybe one of your good projects over the fall Sabbath is to memorize all the Beatitudes. The blessed are those who are poor in spirit and meek and mourning and and all those ones that we've covered already. Here we have a real short verse. You can memorize it in two seconds. It's really, really easy. Blessed are the pure, what? In heart, for they will see God. You already got it. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And as Jesus was talking about this, he's in a rhythm here. He's, he's blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. All these kind of things. He's, he's in a rhythm of blessed. And let's, let's cover one more time what the word blessed means. In its original language, the idea of being blessed is is that you are to be congratulated or you should be happy or, oh, you're in that position, you're in that posture of being poor in spirit or those who are mourning or or you're... 
one who's, who's looking to show mercy, then you're right where you need to be. If you're in that position, you're to be congratulated. Way to go, man, it is really good to be you. That's what Jesus is saying. It's really good to be the ones who are poor in spirit. It's really good to be the ones who mourn. It's really, really good to be those who are merciful. And here he comes again in his rhythm. It's really, really, really good to be pure in heart. If you're pure in heart, if you're pure in heart, if that's where you are, if that's the posture of your life, man, it's really good to be you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does it mean to be pure in heart? When the people sitting there on the mountainside would have heard Jesus talking about being pure in heart, a couple of scripture passages from the Old Testament would have clicked into their brains. It would have just triggered automatically. They would have thought about a couple of different scripture passages. One of them is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm sure you were reading in Deuteronomy this week, but let me put it up on the screen here for you this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Deuteronomy 6, let me read that again. We're starting in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So the people sitting there on the hillside, overlooking the Sea of Galilee, listen to Jesus give it all these details, they would have immediately thought of that passage. To be pure in heart in some ways is to be fully bought in with God. To love him with everything you are and everything that you have. To love God more than you love anyone or anything else. That's part of that pure in heart. Other passage that they would have thought of was in Psalm 24. Let's see if we can get the technology going, if Pastor Kyle got the technology going correctly on this one. Oh, I think we did. Who may ascend, Psalm 24, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The answer, the one who has clean hands and a what? A pure heart who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They would have immediately thought of these two passages of Scripture. Most of them had grown up hearing them all of their lives, and they were thinking, I need to be a person who is fully bought into God. That's what having a pure heart is like. And I need to be a person who is living a life with a clean hand, pure heart kind of lifestyle. And can I get anybody else to agree with me this morning that The idea of living your life fully bought in with Jesus and clean hands, pure heart, that's a tall order. Anybody else with me? This is a reminder today that the Sermon on the Mount is a stretching part of the scriptures. It is going to stretch our discipleship. We're going to see over and over and over and over again, Lord, I was trying to show mercy this week, but really I was just selfish. Lord, I'm struggling to be merciful. I can't do it. I need you to help me. And Jesus has given us one more today. Pure in heart. Lord, I want to be pure. I want to have clean hands. I want to have pure heart. I want to have pure motives. I want to have a pure mind. I want to be pure on the inside, Lord. But I can't. (laughs) But you can help me. 
And that's why Jesus says over and over again, oh, you want to be pure in heart? You're in the best position you can be because you're going to let me work in your life and watch me do what you are powerless to do. It is a stretching word. It's one that should drive us to our knees. It is a passage of scripture that should say to us, oh my gosh, I want to be this merciful person. I want to be this person who is, is poor in spirit over my own spiritual depravity. I want to be this person who is pure in heart, but I am absolutely a flawed person. Anybody else? I struggle often. And that's why Jesus says, if that's where you are, you're blessed. You're right where I want you because you're going to get to see not what you can do because your confidence shouldn't be in you. It should be in me. People would have heard these passages and they would have been stretched. They would have been challenged just like you and I are stretched and challenged today. Man, fully bought in with God. Oh, I really want that, but my life doesn't always look like that. Clean hands. God, I want that. But my life doesn't always look like that. But if that's your desire today, I have good news for you. God is eager to help you live that life. The idea of being pure in heart brings up the word pure. What, think about the word pure for just a moment. What do, you, what do you think of when you hear the word pure? Think about it. What was that? Clean, yeah. Things that are, any other germaphobes in the room here with me this morning? You don't want to raise your hand. You're afraid there are germs in the air right now, right? Yeah, anybody got like four or five bottles of Purell uh, hanging around nearby or in your car? All those kind of things. I, I, have, I have mastered how to stay clean at restaurants and bathrooms when I'm using the doors. Here's the deal. If you're walking out of a restaurant and you're thinking, man, a thousand people in the last hour have touched these doors and they're filthy people. I mean, all these, you know they are, right? You know that, right? So here's the thing, and I'm sorry if this is not your story, but I'm about six foot five, okay? Nobody else can reach the upper top little corner of the door. So if you see me coming out of a restaurant, you're going to see me reach way up high to the top corner of the door, and I'm going to touch the place nobody else has touched because I like things to be clean. Anybody else like things to be clean? I figured out that trick, and now some of you are going to go ahead of me to restaurants, and you're going to touch that corner. I'm going to have to have a new strategy. Man, I shouldn't have said that out loud today. About eight years ago, I had the privilege to travel um, to northern Uganda to work in an orphanage up there, and it was an amazing experience for a lot of reasons. I'd love to tell you some more stories about it sometime, but one of the things that went on there was is the, the leaders and the hosts for this trip at this orphanage next to the Nile River in northern Uganda, out in the middle of nowhere, they were very careful to say to us, listen, if someone offers you water, be so grateful, be so polite but do not drink it because your system is not ready to handle all of the little microbes and things that are in the water here in, in this area. And what they think is clean isn't necessarily clean. There are levels to clean, right? Walking through some of these little village areas, there would be people wanting to sell Westerners some water. And sometimes it would be in a bag, a clear plastic bag. And you're looking at that clear plastic bag and you're thinking, well, it looks kind of clean. Do you think it was clean? I don't know. I did not buy any. 
Sometimes they would bring you a bottle of water, but you had to check it very carefully because sometimes they were reusing the water bottles and you had to make sure that that seal had not been broken on there because you wanted to make sure that it was clean. What I'm trying to get across here this morning is in your mind, clean, attach that to your heart. There are levels of clean. There are levels of clean that are just a little bit, and there's a little bit of clean like this is your mom's level of clean. You know what I'm talking about? There's a little bit of, there's a level of clean that has to do with like, I can tolerate a little bit, but I don't want anything that would make me sick. And one of the calls that Jesus is making here on the hillside is that you and I would be men and women who are clean on the inside that we would have pure hearts. And this is not Jesus standing with a clipboard saying, I'm looking to judge every thought and move of your life. This is Jesus full of love and kindness who is inviting us to walk the road of being pure in heart because it's a better road. That if we will detach from the things that can make us heart sick, our lives will be different and better. So do you walk around being careful about what goes in your brain or past your eyes with the same kind of care that I took in Uganda about where did that water come from? What's the source of that water? And how clean is clean? One of the things that the people there on the side of the mountain, I want us to picture it there that they would be thinking about the word pure. And that would sound like such a high bar. And once again, it would bring them, I can't, but you can. We'll talk more about pure in heart in just a moment. The last little bit of this verse is a promise. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? They will see God. Seeing God is a big deal. And everybody listening to Jesus that day and everybody in this room this morning wants to see God. Everybody wants to see God. Everybody wants to have that opportunity to be accepted by God and to enjoy him forever. Everybody wants the experience of heaven. Everybody wants that eternal life with God, being able to see him as he is. Remember the story of Moses? Let me just see your glory. And God said, you can't handle it. <laughs> and God said, I'm going to stick you in a little crevice in a rock. And I'm going to pass by and you can see the back of me a little bit, but you really can't even handle that. I have this longing to see the Lord as he is, high and lifted up, bright and shining and pure. I have this longing to be with him in the place where there is no sin, where there is no shame, where there is no cancer, where there is no war, where there's no such thing as poverty. I want to see God. Paul says, for now we look as in a, a glass dimly or darkly. It's a fuzzy mirror that's out of focus or dirty. We can't just see it. We just kind of get kind of shapes and ideas of who God is, but someday we will see him face to face. 
And everybody here on the side of the mountain, when they heard Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. They're like, oh, I really want that. But I don't see how that's possible because I know me. Anybody else relate to that? Here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When it was absolutely impossible for you to be acceptable to God because of your life, because of your choices, because of your sinfulness, when it was absolutely impossible for you to have a relationship with God and the promise of eternal life in heaven, God made a way where there was no way. God gave his son Jesus, and God sent him to the cross, and God put him on the cross as a sacrificial lamb, and Jesus paid the debt that was owed for your sin and for mine, and it was paid in full. Jesus died and rose again, and he is alive right now, and God looks at each and every one of us, and he says, if you will put faith in Jesus and believe that he is my son, that he really did pay for sin, that he really did die and rise again, and if you will follow him as the Lord and leader of your life, then you can be saved, meaning you can be acceptable to God both now and for all eternity in heaven, no matter your track record. The gospel of grace in Jesus Christ is you don't have to worry if you think it's impossible to see God because you know your behavior, because seeing God is not at all connected to your behavior. It's connected to your heart. It's connected to believing in Jesus. Let's talk about seeing God here for a minute. A couple of things. Seeing God is linked to the condition of your heart, receiving a new heart. It's not outward behaviors. So you can't earn your way to eternal life in heaven, to seeing him face to face. You cannot earn your way to being forgiven. You cannot do enough good deeds. You cannot earn good works enough to be made righteous, which is that word for being acceptable to God. It only comes from having a new heart. And you can't see God by just having intellectual agreement with the things of Jesus. You can't study the teachings of Jesus. and You can't learn a whole lot of theology and just kind of go, I agree with that. Intellectual agreement does not help you see God. Something changing in your heart helps you see God. Because your issue isn't you need to learn the right words or do the right behaviors. The issue is sin has made you spiritually dead and you need God to bring you to life. See, sin didn't just make us bad, it made us dead. Sin didn't just make us people who had to work off a lot of bad deeds by doing good deeds. Sin absolutely caused us to be separated from God and under his judgment, and we absolutely deserved it. But God, in his great love for us, gave his son Jesus to die in our place, and Jesus took what we deserved. And God makes the invitation to you and me today to have a new heart. Because when you believe in Jesus, yes, you get heaven. You get the promise of heaven. But you get a relationship with God now. You get to become his son or his daughter. You get to be forgiven for all of your sins. Every single one of them. Even the one you're thinking of right now. 
You get to be made clean and new. And you get set free from the grip of sin in your life. Seeing God should not cause you fear if you have not been the most moral person. Because morality doesn't help you see God. Only having a new heart helps you see God. How do I get this new heart? By believing in Jesus. Here's the second thing about seeing God. It is easier to appear pure in behavior than to become pure in heart. Hello. It is easier to appear pure in behavior than to become pure in heart. Remember, the people on the side of the mountain, when Jesus spoke those words, they would have thought of what's known as the Shemach from Deuteronomy 6 that came early. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind. Be all in. And that's hard for us because we don't want to go God's way and live God's way and submit and surrender to his way We don't want him leading. We want to lead. We want to do our thing. I got stuff to do. I want to live it up. I want to to go all out with however many days I've got. And we think that giving leadership to God is the wrong move. But the right move is to surrender your life and say, Lord, I'm giving you my days. Lead me. Take me. Where do you want me to go? I'm all yours. I'm all in. It's hard. It's much easier just to try to clean up the outside. This is what the Pharisees were all about. Jesus struggled with these leaders all the time. They were always trying to just clean up the outside. Listen, here's a list of the good stuff. Here's a list of the bad stuff. If you'll avoid the bad list and do the good list, you'll be fine. No, that's religion. List keeping will not get you a new heart. It will only get you a polished, corrupted heart. There are things in us that we fall into the grip of that are unseen, meaning you can try to clean up the outside all you want to, but there's still going to be stuff on the inside that goes against the ways of God. Let me give you an example here for a moment. There's something called greed. Anybody familiar with greed? You can be greedy with a happy smile on your face and nobody knows you're greedy. That's an unseen sin. Let's talk about lust for a minute. You can look at a man, you can look at a woman lustfully with inappropriate sexual desire for someone you're not married to. You can look at them lustfully and nobody knows what's going on behind your eyes. So you can try to clean up the outside all you want, but you still got to deal with the inside. Here's another one that's unseen. Envy. Envy is dark. A lot of us struggle with envy every time we scroll through Instagram. Why don't I have what they have? 
Why didn't I get to go? Why don't I have as many likes or follows? Man, envy takes you to dark places. I must not be loved like they're loved. Why isn't God taking care of me like he's taking care of them? Man, I'm nothing. Look at them. Envy is dark and it's all on the inside. Someone can tell you their great news and you can say back to them with a big old smile, that's wonderful, thanks so much for sharing that. And all on the inside, you are raging. Like, why? Why did they get that? I don't want them to have that, God. You can smile through bitterness. So what I'm trying to point us to is it's easier to appear pure in behavior than to go to God and say, I need a new heart. Pure living without a pure heart is religion, and it will not help you see God. You can try to keep all the lists, but you'll show up to heaven one day and you'll be kind of going, look, I, I tried to do all the right things and I tried to avoid as many of the bad things as I could and God will say to you, that wasn't the call. The call wasn't for you to polish up your old heart. It was to get a new heart through Jesus. It was to get a pure heart through Jesus. A pure heart is only possible through faith in Jesus. So let me just ask this morning, right here in, in this little moment right now, have you personally believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Have you invited him to give you a new heart? I don't mean have your mom or dad done it or your relatives done it or anybody else in your world has done it. I mean, have you personally believed in what Jesus did on the cross and through his resurrection for your sins? And have you said, I want to believe in Jesus and I want to follow Jesus. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to go his way. I want to be all in with Jesus. I need a pure heart. I'm going to stop with the lists and I'm just going to enjoy God's grace in my life. If you haven't done that, then you need to do that today, this morning, right now. And just in your heart, say, God, I believe Jesus really is your son. I believe he really did die on the cross for my sins. I believe you raised him from the dead because you're that powerful. And I am giving my life to him right now to become his disciple and follower and I'm asking you to forgive my sins, to make me clean, and to make me your child. I want a new heart. And if you do that, he will forgive, and he will make you new, and he will make this life possible. So what does a pure heart look like? Let's finish, finish well, zooming in a little bit on what does a pure heart look like. I'm gonna give you three things. Number one, here are the details. A pure heart looks like unmixed affection for Jesus in your heart. Unmixed affection for Jesus. Jesus would say at one point, the greatest commandment, Mark 12, 30, you can look it up later if you want to, love the Lord your God with how much of your heart? All your heart, all of your soul, 
soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Unmixed affection. If you're in the room and you're married, you would prefer that your spouse not have mixed affection for you and some other person. You would not at all be cool with some percentage, even if you had the majority percentage of affection from your spouse. You would want it unmixed. I want it to be, starts with a P, pure. I want it to be pure. See, this is that love him with all your heart, love him with all, love him with all, be all in unmixed affection. And you may be sitting here this morning going, man, I can't. That's so hard. Blessed are you. What's important is that you want to be. Welcome all who are works in progress. Welcome all who take two steps forward and 17 steps back. Welcome all those who struggle with your affections for Jesus. But also make sure that every day you're waking up with a purpose to take steps forward in your affection for the Lord. All in, unmixed affection. Daily obedience to the word and ways of Jesus. Woo, that's a stretch. Daily obedience to the words and ways of Jesus. Pure heart. Number two, a pure heart looks like uncorrupted by worldliness in your heart. It looks like you're uncorrupted by worldliness in your heart. Worldliness is the standards of the world, the values of the world, the priorities of the world, what the world says are important, what the world said you should invest your time in, your money in, you give yourself to, all those kind of things. Make sure that you are not corrupted by those things. Nobody's asking you to give up on being out in the world. No one's saying, go live and move to a cave in the desert. As a matter of fact, Christians don't need to hide from people who don't know Jesus. They need to become friends with people who don't know Jesus to help them find Jesus. For how will they know unless no one tells them? But as you are out in the world, and as you are involved with people, and as you are enjoying what the world enjoys, as you are really, really, really highly skilled at navigating through things like Netflix and TikTok and all those other kind of things, as you are moving through all of that stuff, make sure that it hasn't seeped in and corrupted you. Nobody's saying cancel Netflix. But the question is, is there anything about your Netflix habit that's starting to make the water less clean? Anything that you're ingesting that might make you sick? Pastor, it would be helpful if you would give us a list of the good shows and a list of the bad shows. Uh Uh-uh, that's list keeping. That's religion. 
wake up tomorrow and with everything you got, want to love Jesus with pure, unmixed affection and want to live Monday in an uncorrupted way in your heart. And the prediction for you this week is it won't go perfectly. But because you're not banking on religion, you can stand in the grace and love of God. And his grace has no end. Hallelujah. You see, being uncorrupted is really important for the church as well. I don't mean people of Hope Church, but it is important for us. But I mean all of Christianity. It's really important that we have young men and women in middle school and in high school and in college and adults all the way through their years. It's so important that we have men and women who are living with all their heart uncorrupted by the world because God wants you in the church to live a pure and shining life. God wants younger believers around you to be able to look at you and learn how to follow Jesus by looking at your life. Hello. If you're an adult, there's college students and high school students who see your life and see your world and see what's cool and what's not cool with you, what flies and what doesn't fly, what gets into your life and what gets a big old roadblock in your life. They're looking at those things and they're learning how to follow Jesus by looking at your life and what they need to see is a pure heart. Pure things or shiny things. Be an example to the other believers and be an example to the watching world. Because in your classrooms, in your office, on your team, in your family, in your neighborhood, are people who don't know Jesus, who are watching you to see what it is to follow Jesus. And Jesus is inviting you to live a pure life. Number three, so it was unmixed affection for Jesus, that, that first love all in. Number two was uncorrupted by worldliness. And number three is undivided loyalty to Jesus in your heart. Undivided loyalty in your heart. That really comes down to that Mark 12, 30 greatest commandment in the Deuteronomy 6 passage, love the Lord your God with all all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Undivided. If you look on labels in the grocery store, some things will be labeled with a big sticker that will say 99% pure. Is it pure? Nope. It's 99% pure. And so without lists, and in the grace of God, being able to pursue him and stumble, to walk the main road of life and joy and of his word, and get off the road from time to time, but then get back on the main road, the call to you today, like the people sitting on the mountainside, is that you would listen to the Son of God they were seeing God. And the Son of God says, 
You want to be pure of heart? You really want to in the bottom of your want to? And you're your own worst enemy sometimes. But you really want to be pure at heart? But you're thinking, how in the world could I see God? How in the world could I be pure in heart? How in the world? Blessed are you. Congratulations, you're right where he wants you. If you're aware that you have a deep desire, that absolutely you're missing the power to accomplish it, blessed are you. You should be happy. It's right where he wants you. Let's pray. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and just sit quietly for just a second and think about your own heart? Not the externals, but the internals. Would you just talk to God for a moment? How is he calling you to respond in your own heart about unmixed affection? About any level of corruption? And about being all in? How's God calling you to respond or to adjust? God, we thank you for your grace that frees us from religion, of trying to do good to earn acceptance from you. I thank you that our acceptance was paid for on the cross. Thank you, God, because we would have no hope. We would have no hope. And as we follow Jesus, Lord, we're telling you here on this Sunday morning, we're telling you we really want to live a pure life. All in with you and a shining example to those who watch our lives. And we want to be in the world, but not be corrupted by the world. Lord, we can't. It's so hard. And we are so weak. And we love sin a lot. So we're just asking you for help. Do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. In Jesus' name.